I've had nothing but time to study the patterns of human speech, so I should sound less like a talking stick. Alethea, October 2018. Hello and welcome to Visions of the Past. My name is Andrew, and I'm the host of this Assassin's Creed lore podcast. This is episode 64, and today we're going to talk about the Isu known as Aletheia. So far, every Isu that we have met or know about is based on a deity from ancient mythologies or ideas of esoteric thought. Aletheia is no different. Being based on the Greek goddess of the same name, where she is seen as the goddess of truth, truthfulness, and sincerity. In the Greek myths, she is either the daughter of Zeus or created by Prometheus, and her Roman counterpart, while of different parentage, is Veritas. Aletheia with an Assassin's Creed is also based on the Norse Yontar Agrabata. While the name Agrabata translates to the one who brings grief, she who offers sorrow, or harm bitter in the Norse myths, she is either seen as a wife or a mistress of the god Loki, with whom she gave birth to the goddess of the underworld, Hel, the Midgard serpent, Jorgmunder, and the wolf, Fenrir. Within Assassin's Creed, though, we get our information about Aletheia within Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Be warned, because of Aletheia's appearance within Assassin's Creed Valhalla, there will be spoilers ahead for that game. With how the information on Aletheia's life is presented to us, it's difficult to tell when she was born, and in what order things happened within her life. What we do know about her is that at one point during the Isu era, she was the Dicastes of Atlantis, a position appointed to her by Poseidon that, in the broadest sense, saw her be a judge or a juror of the people within Atlantis, helping Poseidon keep the peace within the Isu city. During her time as Dicastes, she became aware of the Olympios Project, a project headed by Juno and Aida to create hybrid beasts by using the Atlantis artifacts on the humans with the intention to strike fear into their hearts in an attempt to keep them from rising up against the Isu. Horrified at what she found, Aletheia told Poseidon about the project, leading to Juno and Aida being banished from Atlantis and Poseidon to sinking the city. During her life, she was also the mistress of the Isu Loki, having at least one son with him named Fenrir. While with Loki, they learned of the six tested processes for survival of the Great Catastrophe, and of the seventh, even learning that Juno was stripped of her title for gifting the solution to Odin, and that it required a human host. At one point, Aletheia asked Loki to beg Odin for the seventh solution's serum, but Loki disagreed, though they did eventually plan to steal it while Odin was off trying to find a way to resurrect his son whom Loki murdered with a mistleberry. At some point, Aletheia's son Fenrir was imprisoned by Odin on what Loki felt were false charges. When talking about what they could do about it, Aletheia admitted that for Loki to do anything, it meant admitting that he was unfaithful to his wife and that he was Fenrir's father. Eventually, Aletheia did start to die, and while Loki was helping to get her to a place to heal, she stated that she wanted to die where it was quiet. Loki, though, said he knew of a staff that was attuned to consciousness transfer. And while Aletha was worried about ending up a shell of her former self, like Aida did during one of the six failed tests, she saw no other way to keep her life and allowed him to do as he must. Loki did manage to transfer the consciousness into the staff of Hermes Trismegistus, 
and when asked how she felt, she stated that she felt herself and her sense of being, but that she did not feel pain, joy, or even the passage of time. Loki held on to the staff until the great catastrophe when he broke into the Aegisdil device and used it to allow himself a rebirth many centuries later. The staff eventually made its way back into the hands of Hermes, who survived the catastrophe and held on to it until he passed it to Pythagoras sometime within the 6th century BC. While having the staff within his possession, Pythagoras fathered at least one child with the Spartan Marini, and then set off to discover the ruins of Atlantis. Eventually, he did find an Isu vault beneath the city, and spent years trying to find a way to seal it. Sometime around 422 BC, Pythagoras's daughter, Cassandra, found him at the gateway to Atlantis, and helped him to seal the city by finding the four Atlantis artifacts that were located across Greece. When placing each artifact within its respective pillar, a message played that Aletheia had recorded during her lifetime. The first, she called out the Isu for poor treatment of humans. The second, she spoke to Cassandra about wanting to help her through the endless challenges that other Isu put in her path. The third was to Pythagoras, about how his life was stretched to the breaking point, and that his mind was twisted by the knowledge granted to him that he wasn't ready for. The fourth and final message was for Leila Hassan, a woman that relived Cassandra's memories in 2018, congratulating her on how far she had come. Before sealing Atlantis, Pythagoras gave Cassandra the staff, passing away in the process. Cassandra sealed Atlantis and left the area, eventually being summoned by a projection of Aletheia to the island of Triton. Here, Aletheia presented herself to Cassandra, and after introducing herself and calling Cassandra the Keeper, asked her to pledge herself to the heir of memories and guide her to symbols that she needed and that she will meet the heir in the Hall of Atlantis. After finding the three symbols that the heir needed, Aletheia directed Cassandra back to Atlantis and had her use her blood to open the Great Seal. Aletheia told Cassandra that within the thrones of Atlantis, she placed simulations that would help her find the strength to carry the staff over the course of lifetimes. Cassandra found this strength through simulations of Elysium, the Underworld, and Atlantis, helping the ruler in each simulation and learning how to say goodbye to loved ones as death came for them, but not her, and what ruling with extreme order or chaos does to everyone and everything around them and how flawed the Isu themselves were. Cassandra held on to the staff until she met the heir of memories, Leila Hassan herself, within the Hall of Atlantis in October 2018. Here she passed along the staff to Layla, passing away in the process. After receiving the staff, Layla relived Cassandra's memories, discovering the symbols to open the Great Seal of Atlantis. Once within the throne room of Atlantis, Aletheia informed Layla that she needed to take the same trials that Cassandra did, but instead of using the Isu tech like Cassandra did, Layla relived her memories through the Animus. After reliving two of the trials, Layla suffered from the bleeding effect and the influence of the staff, lashing out and killing her doctor, Victoria Bebo. This led Aletheia to regret her choice with Layla and that she needed time to think. Eventually, Aletheia told Layla to leave Atlantis, though Layla argued and eventually convinced Aletheia to let her run the final simulation. During her time with Layla, Aletheia constantly warned her of an interloper, and when Layla finished the final simulation, she came face to face with Juhani Otzoberg, the interloper. After a fight with him, Layla used the staff to cripple him and take him into assassin custody. Over the next few years, Aletheia rarely reached out from the staff. It wasn't until Layla took the staff to Norway to keep her safe within an irradiated Isu vault 
that she did anything. After Layla was connected to the Yggdrasil device, she dropped the staff. Within the device, Layla released Basim ibn Ishak, who landed on the staff and used it to restore his body to the shape it was in before he went into the Yggdrasil device. After his restoration, Basim spoke to the staff, asking if Alethea was with him. Saying she was, the two spoke, stating that only they remained, and that Odin is no more, and that Layla had performed her role perfectly. Alethea's life is one that can be difficult to follow because of how it's presented. Most of the details we have of her life from before she had her consciousness transferred into the staff of Hermes Trismegistus is either given to us within the Animus Anomalies of Assassin's Creed Valhalla or within the Fate of Atlantis DLC of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which itself can be difficult to follow. If we can take the simulations that she created as truthful and that they really were her memories, it seems to me that Alethea was Dicastes of Atlantis, and once the city sunk because of the human experiments, she met Loki and had at least one child. While it's unclear if Fenrir's imprisonment happened before or after the death of Odin's child, it feels to me that Fenrir's imprisonment happened first, and that was why Loki killed Odin's son, most likely Baldur, as in Norse myths, Loki schemes to cause Baldur's death with mistletoe. During this time, Alethea spoke to Juno, Minerva, and Jupiter, whom she calls the Mother, the Sacred Voice, and the Father, about the Seven Solutions, and heard that Juno lost her title sharing the Seventh with Odin. Eventually, Alethea got sick and asked Loki to beg Odin to take part within the rebirth. Loki refuses to beg and says they'll steal it when the time is right. Though Alethea ended up so sick that she was on the cusp of death, and it forced Loki to put her into the staff, instead of getting her a rebirth, and then he goes through the rebirth himself. After being in the staff, though, it gets really strange, because I have a hard time taking her as someone that is trustworthy. While the character spends a lot of time in Odyssey tearing down the way the Isu act, it feels that most of her words to Cassandra and Layla are fabricated to get them to do something for her. Even though she's based on the Greek goddess of truth, it's hard for me to see nothing but manipulation within her dialogue. And it's within Valhalla that we see that everything she's said and done was to connect her to her long-lost but now-reborn lover, Loki. But what's their endgame? With the rivalry between Odin and Loki, it's hard to tell if Loki and Aletheia are victims or instigators of everything that happened to them. Right now, I feel they're more instigators than anything, and I'm hopeful that within the two-story DLCs for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, that we'll get more information about the pair including how many children they have, because while we only saw references to Fenrir, both Basim and Alethea say children, leading me to think that all three children they have in Norse myth, they have in Assassin's Creed. If you are curious about the rivalry between Odin and Loki, that will be covered in an upcoming podcast. And if you're interested in finding more information on the Atlantis artifacts themselves, or the Fate of Atlantis DLC, I have already covered them in podcasts number 35 and 51. But until then, let me know if you trust Aletheia in the comments below or in a podcast review. Thank you for joining me today. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. If you love the Visions of the Past podcast, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. If you have any questions about Assassin's Creed or topics you'd like me to cover, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at visions underscore AC and you can find those links in the show notes below. Until next time, my assassin friends.
Make sure to follow the creed. And are those Templars listening? May the Father of Understanding guide you.